Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Praise the Lord. Well, happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day is one of those days as a preacher, unless Jesus comes into my room and tells me to preach something different, you preach a message for mothers because it's a special day. Mothers are very special people. And uh, I know they say evangelists only have six sermons and travel around and preach the same six sermons, but now I have seven because I'm going to preach a new one on mothers today. I want you, if you have your Bible, open with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in the first verse. The Bible says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see and the conviction of their reality. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, his faith still speaks to us from beyond the grave. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a man who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder. I'm not going to have you repeat stuff all morning, but say this with me. Say, God is a rewarder. That's the thing. If you don't understand, you'll never have faith that works. And I don't know why in a lot of churches they feel like it's their job to kind of discourage people from ever believing God for, for, uh, that he'll reward you or he has a benefit for you. But what I want to speak on on this Mother's Day is I'm going to show you different women in the Bible who were all mothers, that their husbands or fathers played no role in the miracles that they received. Many of them stranded, nobody to help them. And they exercised their faith. One thing you're going to find out about God, the Bible says without faith, we just read it, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult, impossible. But on the flip side, anybody that begins to exercise their faith and say, Father, I believe you. What is faith? What is the thing that pleases God? Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you're going to find these women in the Bible that were in bad circumstances, but rather than just say, well, nothing ever works out, they actually had faith that God could pull them out of that situation. And I'm not reading the scripture directly today, but God, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one 
He does for anybody. God is not moved by how good you are, how great you are, and what you've accomplished. God is moved when you say, I believe you, God, and I know you'll make a way for me. If you're a woman like that today or a man, go ahead and give those hands a clap unto God. Let him know you believe him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone that wants to come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Of who? Those who diligently seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came through this one man who was as good as dead. Because everybody talks about Sarah being unable to have a baby. A hundred-year-old man isn't, isn't much more of a help. His body was as good as dead. She believed that God would keep his promise. And a nation came that was so plentiful, it was like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why, and I, I've been fighting this off, reading the, whatever verse we're in now, because but, but, I'm trying to stay on topic. But I was telling my wife the other day, that's the thing you don't see in modern Christians. They, they, I don't believe people actually believe there's a heaven. Because you can tell they have a great fear of dying. There's ministers that kept their churches closed for 13 months. And when you talk, well, we could die. Who cares? The Bible says this earth is not our home. Not that you're looking to die for, for no good reason. But there's not a fear that you're going to lose this life. For the Christian, there is an expectation that Clarksburg is not my home. I have a home in heaven whose builder and maker is God. Can you say amen? amen? It's hard for me to get worked up this last year about COVID. You could die. whoop de freaking do <laughs> I've been prepared for that since I was four. One day you will die. You can dip yourself in Clorox and Lest oil every day and double and triple mask and, and wear plastic gloves and not kiss your grandparents for another year. You'll still die. The point is not to avoid death. The point is to make reservations for life after death and then live this life empowered by the Holy Ghost to do great works for God. You're not going to read one person in this Hebrews 11 that's in the hall of faith 
that was clinging to their life and worried about what was going to happen to them. God, put, God gave them difficult assignments and they believed that he would give them the power to carry it out and they went out in grave danger. No fear for their own life. If you're afraid of, of dying, there's no story of David and Goliath. The story of David, if David was an American, especially a COVID American, he'd have seen Goliath mouthing off and went, wow, did you hear what that guy's saying? Well, that's going to be bad. Here's your bread and cheese. I'm going to go back home. But there is a boldness in faith because faith sees that there's more to life than getting food and shelter over your head. God actually has you here on this planet to accomplish something that's great for him. Bible continues, verse 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt and he commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Can you say amen? Amen. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to share the oppression of God's people. Instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking forward to his great reward. Say that again. Say great reward. reward. He was looking forward to his great reward. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Verse 30, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith That Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I wanted to start Mother's Day by talking about that lady, Rahab the prostitute, who was a mother. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that there was a man born named Boaz who came through Rahab. When Rahab left Jericho and traveled with God's people, she's actually in the lineage that Christ came from. This woman was a pagan prostitute that lived in a city where nobody believed God. And where did she exercise her faith? When Joshua and Caleb came in, she hid them. 
And why did she hide them? You know, if she, if, it, if she was found out she was hiding them, it'd be like being in North Korea. And they find out you're hiding uh, American military men in your room. You're finished. They said, why are you being kind to us? She said, I know that God is with you. And I know God is going to give this city to you. And actually, everybody in this city is afraid of you and your men. That woman that was a hooker had enough sense in her spirit to know when God was in something and made up her mind. However I lived before now, life is not going to finish like it started. I'm going to make a decision to believe God, get myself in line with God. And when she did that, the whole of that city was destroyed except for her. She left that city and traveled, and she went from pagan prostitute to woman mentioned in Matthew 5 as part of the lineage of Jesus. That shows you what faith does for God. God isn't looking for somebody. That actually, the hardest people to receive are the people that think they're already good enough, like they're doing God a favor to go to church. Pastor Luke would never tell you because he's too much of a gentleman. But any pastor would tell you. There's people that come up to him and let him know, you know, I've been talking it over with my family, Pastor Luke, and we're actually thinking about joining your church. Like, what do you want me to do? Light off uh, uh, party favors? Have a fireworks party? Wow. I'm sure God's thrilled that you're joining us. We're so happy to have you that you've made the decision to switch from the New York Yankees to the San Diego Padres as one of the greatest uh, 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 Christians there are in this area. That's how people are. There's a, there's a group of people that they don't understand how God works. They think they're doing God a favor. You know, I own a business, and where I go, I send my tithes at that church, and any church that has me is fortunate to have me. My grandfather is from down the road in Shinston, West Virginia. He pastored for 62 years, and he was a funny guy because nobody was saved in his family. He was the first Christian. So when he became a pastor, he uh, didn't know how things were to be done. He didn't know how you were to settle board disputes, any, any of that stuff. So he would say funny things. I used to love hanging around him because you could tell other preachers had never been talked to like that before. We were at a minister's conference, and there was this minister talking about all the churches he started and how many countries he's preached in and how many people he's personally led to the Lord. And my grandfather blurted out, I'm sure Jesus is thrilled to have you in his life. And every, every, everybody laughed, and that guy quit talking. You know, what happens with lower people that are low, like Rahab, she doesn't feel like she's doing God a favor. Jesus said, those that are forgiven little love only a little. But those that are forgiven much love much. God is not moved by how awesome you were from birth up until now. God is moved by whether you believe. We just read that whole Hebrews 11 faith chapter is a story of all kinds of men and women that had one thing in common. Regardless of their circumstances, they decided to believe that God could take them from where they were to a better place by his mighty hand and his strong power. Has God changed? God will never change. I am the Lord God and I change not. So these are not records that you read and say, wow, it must have been great to be Abraham or Sarah, but I'm just me. This Bible is a book to build faith in you. That what God does for one, God will do for anyone. And I want to tell that to any woman that's here. Because people are very good at devaluing themselves. Pastor Luke and I met at the Pennsylvania-Delaware District Youth Camp of the Assemblies of God. 
He brought his, his youth group up there. I was the speaker, and that's where we met. When, you, when I would go to youth camps, I was awestruck at how teenagers, 14, 13, 15, had already learned to introduce themselves by some, like, negative thing. Hi, my name's Mike. I'm actually in summer school because I'm not very smart, and I don't test well. The guidance counselor told me that I have a, a problem with my... I mean, they just bring it up the first 90 seconds you meet them. I have dyslexia. I actually, uh, I, I've actually got into smoking recently, and I'm trying to quit. Just everything negative. And when you do that, you stay where you're at. You have to realize that whatever's wrong in your life, you're only one prayer away. I mean, not a moaning prayer, a positive prayer. Father, I failed, but I know you never fail. And today, I put myself on your mercy. When you pray like that, when you believe like that, there is nobody just like Rahab. Rahab wasn't in the New Testament. Rahab was in the Old Testament when God was barbecuing people at will. There was no Christ that, that, that had taken the sin of mankind. If you messed up, there were kids that mocked Elisha, like 10 years old. And two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled them to death. That's the Old Testament. Elisha didn't send sympathy cards to the parents. It was a different day. And in that old covenant, when man had a different relationship with God, a prostitute, I mean, it's, you know you were quite the prostitute when your name 3,000 years later is still Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> Nobody even remembers your last name. She's probably been having going, my last name was Smith. Can you start? It's Rahab Smith. <laughs> this woman was considered by pagans to be... People that didn't have a relationship, God said, she's extra wicked. And when that woman turned her faith to God, because everybody else in Jericho said, oh, yeah, these people think they have some kind of mighty God. We have walls that are so big that if you knock our walls down, the walls are still a wall. The walls were not only high, the Bible says they were so wide that six teams of chariots could ride side by side on the top of the wall. So even if you leveled the wall, it's like when the, when the Twin Towers collapsed in New York. You're not going to just go walk through it. There's rubble piled high. But when Rahab heard that those men were from the Most High God and that they had been given an assignment that God said, I will make the walls fall flat and, uh, and you'll go into the city and take it. She didn't say, man, they, they, they'll see. They'll see how tough our walls are. Everybody in the city had that reaction. But Rahab, as a prostitute, said, no, I actually feel like their God knows what he's talking about. And so Joshua and Caleb, you can come hide in my place. There's men coming in and out of here all the time, and the military won't notice. And I'll hide you, and I have a request. Number one, I believe your God's going to do what he said. Number two, instead of me getting killed with everybody else, since I've helped you, will you rescue me and my family? And they told her. Let a scarlet thread come out of your window, and when God collapses the walls, he'll save you and your family. That scarlet thread is a type of the blood of Jesus. I mean, the type's all through the Bible, and she did it, and, it, and she was saved. And then she wasn't just saved and disappeared into the wilderness. She married one of those Hebrew men, gave birth to a son, and as you follow the lineage, 
Jesus came out of that lineage. It doesn't matter how you started. It matters how you finish. And you can make up your mind like Rahab tonight. Today, I'm going to finish strong in Jesus' name. The devil may have had the first laugh, but I will have the last laugh in Jesus' name. If that sounds like you, put those West Virginia hands together and give God a good shout of praise. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I believe God. Basically, God is super easy to figure out. He's not some complicated ex-girlfriend you had. God is very simple to understand. His greatest pleasure is for a human being to say, I believe you. Two blind men following Jesus. Jesus turns around. What do you want? We want to see. Believest thou? Believest thou that I can make you to see? Yes, we do. As your faith is, so be it unto you. And the men saw. Then you had other people. This man says, Mark chapter 6, as Jesus was teaching, the crowd was amazed and said, isn't this Joseph's son? Wasn't he playing on your little league team a couple years ago? Wasn't he working as a carpenter with you, Bob? Now he's the Messiah? I don't think so. We know his brothers and sisters. We went to school with him. And the Bible says Jesus was amazed at their unbelief, and could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. It's a story of common people that made up their mind instead of saying, eh, I don't believe that. You know, I think there's some truth to the Bible. I'm sure it teaches good things. And come up with this American thing where you write it off. But if in this hour where unbelief runs rampant, you as a mother say, in this house, we serve the Lord. In this house, we believe the word. In this house, we don't speak against God. We say that God makes a way for us where there is no way. The same God that rewarded Rahab will reward you in West Virginia. It's so simple. God wants honored. And God wants believed. God wants you to say words about him. Like Rahab did. She didn't just sit in her room and think. She told those men, hey, just for the record, I'm not like the rest of these people. I actually believe your God's able to level the, I don't care about these walls. I've heard about what your God's done. And I'm sure he'll do the same thing right here. I'm joining your side. And she came out. That's what life's about. You preach, you know, I've been preaching this. It'll be my 20th year. Starts May 10th. And I've done this a lot. You preach the same message to the same group of people, and you got one person leave, walk out. You have another sit on the edge of their seat and believe it. Same words. One doesn't believe. One believes. Everything gets defined by faith or unbelief. Two thieves on the cross next to Jesus in bodily form. And what does one say when he feels the anointing of Christ next to him? Oh, you're the son of God, are you? If you are, why don't you come down off the cross, genius? Save, save us while you're at it, too. Unbelief. And the other thief said, you ignorant thief. We're up here because we deserve to be up here. Are you going to mock God in your dying breath? Hey, just for the record, Jesus, I believe. Everybody say, I believe. I believe, I believe you are who you say you are. When you go to your father's kingdom today, which is an interesting line to me, 
that that thief had somehow heard. Jesus didn't have audio cassettes or a podcast. So that thief at some point had to have heard Jesus speak life. Because he didn't just say, well, I've heard you're the son of God and I guess I believe you are. He actually knew Jesus' doctrine. He knew that Jesus was saying, I'm, I come, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you in my father's kingdom. Just so you know, I heard you one day in Capernaum. I actually believe you. And obviously I've messed up hanging here. But I believe you're the son of God. When you go to your father's kingdom today, that's faith. It's not, well, you know, I believe you're the son of God. Now that father's kingdom stuff seems a little far. No. I believe you're the son of God. When you go to your father's kingdom, will you remember me? What did Jesus turn to him and say? little late now, isn't it? No. Truly this day, you'll be with me in paradise. When your faith says yes to God, God will never say no. The Bible says he will in no wise cast away anybody that calls on him. God never brought up that Rahab was a prostitute. In the Old Testament, what did Joshua and Caleb say? Hey, listen, I know your God can level this place. Will you remember... Will you uh, get me out of the city? Um, Number one, you're not a Hebrew. Number two, of the people who aren't Hebrews, you're the worst of them. So just be happy we don't kill you on the spot. The whole thing goes down, you included, the end. No. When you turn your faith to God, even in the old covenant as a prostitute, when you say, I believe God, I believe he'll do what he said, that's where we are right now. If you believe what God said right now, You are considered the lowest of all idiots. Oh, come on. You believe there's an actual plan, like the Bible says in Revelation, to bring everything under a one-world government, and no man will be able to buy or sell without a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you're crazy. You need to chill. That's not it at all. But you're going to have to make up your mind. You can go down with Jericho. Because you're never going to read in the Bible very few places that the whole city turned to God. Usually you see something like you saw with Rahab, where somebody made up their mind. I live here, but I refuse to be of here. I have a home in heaven, and I'm not going to allow anything to knock me off that course. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you'll make up your mind to do that, when Rahab exercised her faith, She didn't just escape the city. God gave her a destiny where she started out as Rahab the prostitute and finished as a woman in the lineage of Jesus. And Matthew doesn't call her Rahab the prostitute. It says that Boaz was born through Rahab. Now she's just Rahab, the woman who believed God. So she goes from Rahab the prostitute in Joshua to Rahab in Matthew to in Hebrews chapter 11 that they call the hall of faith, like the hall of fame, where they list all the great people of faith in the Bible. There you read a woman in with Abraham and David and Moses who decided, I live in a wicked city, but if this place is going down, I'm not going down with it. I believe there's a God who's able to save me if I call on him. And you want to know what? She didn't even have a promise. She didn't have a Bible. There was no verse, God so loves Rahab, that if you call on him, he'll answer you. She just knew in her spirit, there's a God. And I believe, even though I've done a lot that's wrong, I believe this God has mercy. I believe this God has forgiveness. And I believe this God can change my situation. 
And the Bible says she got everything she believed. That's what you're going to get in life. Life doesn't give you what you deserve. Life gives you what you demand by faith. Here I am. Nothing ever works out for me. Nothing ever will. Somebody has to preach the Bible to you. Where you start seeing in the Bible that there were common people. People that had speech impediments like Moses. People that were criminals. That decided one day, I believe that God is the almighty God. And not only is he almighty, there's something that sets God apart from all the pagan gods. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the only God that claims to love people. So if he was all-powerful, that would be great. It'd be like some magician that can do a lot of tricks, but he doesn't know you. He just puts on a show. He can make lightning flash, stuff like that. But the fact that God said, I love you. When you love somebody and you're all-powerful, I mean, you think of what you would do for your child with limited power and limited money. You would do anything you could to bless them and see them make it. Well, what happens when you're a father that has unlimited power and unlimited resources? Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I don't know where some people get their messages from. I mean, sometimes we call out to God and he's silent. No, I think you have a problem because you don't read that in the Bible. When you call on me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. If you can testify that that's true, can you say amen? I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Kings 17. I'm going to close with this scripture. 1 Kings 17. First Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain for the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. What do you do when your brook dries up? What do you do when your place of provision all of a sudden doesn't exist anymore? Which happened to a lot of people the last 14 months. God didn't say, hey, uh, Elijah, just so you know, the brook dried up, so you're probably going to die pretty soon. Say this out loud. God always has a place for me. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. 
I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son, everybody say my son. So she wasn't just a widow, she was what? Single mother. I have enough food for one more meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, do you have the address of another house with more food? <laughs> no, nope. that's not what he said. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Where there's fear, there is no faith. And where there's faith, there is no fear. Faith clears out fear by itself. I was preaching in Texas. I was supposed to be there for one week in March, and we ended up going four weeks. Church packed out. They've baptized 50-some people even since I've left, still packed. And when I went there, there was a decent amount of people wearing masks. It was still March. And I never mentioned masks. You don't persuade people by... by, by uh, making them feel stupid. But I just started preaching on faith. And I watched as I preached on faith, as it went night after night. We ended up, there was like no one wearing masks. And the one night there was an older couple, the husband had a mask on, and the wife had a mask on. As I was preaching on how great God is and how powerful he was, he took his mask off, and then without looking, reached over and pulled his wife's mask off. I was very, I was very impressed with his hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Because faith drives out fear on its own. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? So you're saying if somebody wears a mask, they don't have faith? Absolutely. Get that filthy thing off your face that you keep in your back pocket loaded with butt sweat. It doesn't work. First Kings 17. Everybody say, don't be afraid. The devil traffics in fear. The devil gets you in worst case scenarios. There's a great preacher who I love. He has a great line. He said, anytime you're feeling sorry for yourself, it's the devil that's talking to you. God's never sitting next to you in your room going, everybody that's supposed to be your friend hasn't really done what they should. No one really cares about you. That's the devil talking. Anytime you're like this woman, by, and you can't blame her. She's by herself with one kid. She's got no food. She has no ability to work. And the nation's in a famine. And the devil said, well, enjoy your last meal. After this, you're dead. But God sends people to deliver his word. And Elijah didn't say, well, let's, I'll keep you in prayer. Hopefully things will get better. God actually had a word for her. Do you know God can have a word for you? Don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. That's the start of a miracle where you make up your mind. No, I don't know how this story is going to end, but it's not going to end with me eating the last meal and dying. My God will make a way for me where there is no way in Jesus' name. He's come through for others, and he'll come through for me. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. Say this word with me. Say faith. Because she didn't have to. Elijah didn't put a gun to her head and say, do what I said. She changed her mind. All right. I'll try it God's way. She could have said, you know what? I didn't like you when you came in here. 
I'm a single mother. You're asking me to bake you bread. So you already had nine strikes against you. And then now you're telling me, don't be afraid. Do you know what I've gone through? Do you know what's gone wrong? I want to tell you a story that this just triggered to my mind. It actually happened in West Virginia. Obviously not this part. People are too bright here. <laughs> but up near Wheeling, I was preaching at that church. And I was on a long fast. I was actually believing for God to start doing what, what, what we started to see him do, which is have great meetings and, and people healed like I wasn't seeing. And so on Sunday morning, this lady, came, it'd be like tonight. Tonight I'm going to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on them, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost blowout service. Amen. And I told the people that. I said, now, you know, because Sunday mornings are their own thing. People have brunch reservations. If I don't wrap up in 15 minutes, I could have nine blind people healed, and there'll still be people that leave promptly at whatever time they're leaving. So basically just get this one out of the way and then have church on Sunday night. Give you, give you a little message to help you on Mother's Day. So I, uh, I guess I don't have to say everything I'm thinking, but I just did. <laughs> so this lady, I, I told him that on Sunday. I said, now tonight I'm going to preach on miracles and I'm going to pray for people who need miracles. So I said, I'm not praying for anybody this morning because I didn't preach on miracles. People don't, people don't have the faith necessary without the word to get it. So I said, tonight... I'll preach on miracles. If you want prayer, come tonight. I'm not praying for anyone this morning. Well, right after church, this lady comes up, and she was a strong West Virginia woman. She was wearing a hooded sweatshirt, and she barged up, and she said, this is my son. He was born deaf in his ear. I need you to pray for him now. I said, well, you just heard what I said. I said, I'm not praying for anybody now. I said, but when you come tonight, I'll pray for him first. Well, I can't come tonight. I said, why not? I have laundry. That's a powerful excuse. I, and I understand. I'm not being, I understand, especially, you know, when you're running the house, that pile, I always feel for my wife. That thing grows like supernaturally. I said, I understand. I said, let me ask you a question. Is your son's ear coming open more important than your laundry? Well, you, if you think she was mad before, you should have seen her when I said that. You could see her vein. You reminded me of my mother when I made her mad. Where you could see, see her pulse. You could take her pulse by looking at her. One eye. I said, does your son's ear coming open have more, have more important to you than your laundry? Of course it is. I said, then I'll see you tonight. Well, the pastor that I was with that's no longer in the ministry... He did it the religious way. See, there's a religious way that doesn't change anything. It doesn't have, it's not God's way. You go to church for 40 years and you're worse after year 40 than you are in year one. Because God's instruction was to be there tonight. If, if Elisha tells you to dip in the Jordan River, you don't, seven times, you don't go to the Monongahela and do it five times. So I said tonight, well, that pastor, very religious, he said, well, I'll pray for him. And he stepped forward and prayed, Father, I pray that you be with them as they go through this difficulty and live with this disability. That wasn't what, if that's what she wanted prayer for, I'd be happy to pray for that. She didn't say, can you pray that the Lord give us help as we go through our disability? She said, can you ha have God heal my son's deaf ear? Yeah. That's quite the request. Yeah. So he finished his nice little religious prayer, and uh, she shook her head, and the kid was still deaf because those kind of prayers couldn't blow the fuzz off a of Georgia peach.
And I could tell he was like angry with me. You should, but people can feel however they want. I knew, I knew how it was supposed to work. Well, I come, I come back that night and two thirds of the way back in the auditorium is that lady sitting with her kid asleep on her lap. And she went like this when I took the mic. <laughs> in other words, like, I'm here. Your turn, champ. I had a feeling if that kid's ear didn't pop open, I was going to be choking up teeth. And I waved at her. I said, good to see my friends here, speaking by faith. Well, I, when I preached that night, first of all, I gave an invitation to receive Jesus Christ. Guess who came up? See, if you'd have just done what the lady wanted and prayed, her son goes home deaf and she goes home to hell. She wasn't right with God, obviously. You know, even if you're an angry person, you can at least put on an act for 90 minutes. She couldn't even do that. My son needs prayer. She looked like a guest on Judge Judy. <laughs> Just come in the courtroom mad. So she came up crying and gave her life to the Lord. First problem solved. Then I said, well, I told you if you came here, I'd pray for your boy first. Where is he? She said, he's asleep on the pew. Let me go get him. I said, no, you don't even have to wake him up. I said, what ear is it? She showed me. And I did what I used to see that great evangelist R.W. Shambach do. And then you see Jesus do it in the Bible. I said, Lord, help him as they go. Put my finger in his ear. I said, thou deafness and hardness of hearing. I command you to come out of this child's ear. Whatever needs recreated in his ear. Father, I thank you for making it right now in Jesus' name. Well, he never woke up. She thanked me. She hugged me. Which is a bigger miracle than the deaf ear coming open. That lady, that lady looks like she hadn't hugged anybody since like the 80s. The last person she hugged was whoever fathered that kid, and then that was the end. West Virginians laugh at the jokes no other church people laugh at. I'm just going to tell you that. Well, Monday night, we did the whole week of meetings. Monday night. She comes running down the aisle before church starts. Hey, I mean, totally different. My son, she said, he, I, I put him to bed, and when I woke him up in the morning, I was talking to him, and he was answering me. And when I looked, his good ear was in the pillow, and his bad ear was up. And so she said, I tested it. He can hear. Can I testify? I said, sure. She gets up, gives that testimony, and guess what? It's not her and her son there. It's her, her son, and her two angry sisters. <laughs> I'm kidding you not. They're all dressed the same, all hooded sweatshirts. They look, they look like a lady gang. They look like people you'd buy black market cigarettes from. Why I know that as a preacher is none of your business, but... And she said, I brought family here tonight. So the two sisters come down and get saved that night. We had to set up chairs by Wednesday night. Friday night, we, by Thursday, we broke the attendance record for the church on a Thursday night. And Friday, the place was jammed. And that woman's family sitting there smiling at me and waving. She went from Roseanne Barr to like the Queen of England. Because of faith. Because think of it, as rough as she was, she at least followed the instructions. I don't think my... What, listen, as rough as she was, even unsafe, 
What made her come up to skinny me back then and go, hey, pray for my son so his deaf ear comes open. What's that called? Faith. Now, she needed a little work on the fruit of the Spirit, but she had faith. She couldn't think of it. She could have stormed out halfway through my message. Hey, that guy talking that crap about how you can pray and people's ear comes, come open. If God can do that, how come my son's deaf? She didn't do that. She came forward and said, hey, pray for my, what does that show? She believed the word of God. Pray for my son so God will open his ear. She really believes the word of God. And then she decided some point in that afternoon to put her anger under and bring her son to get prayed for. And God honored her faith. Whether it's Rahab or whether it's Mary up in Wheeling, God doesn't care about the outward. God cares about what you got in here. Because you can have your nice floral Talbot's dress and have a heart full of unbelief. Or you can be the lowest of the low, but hear the word of God and say, I believe God. This year will not be a repeat of last year. God is going to do great and mighty things for me and my children in Jesus' name. Everybody say, fear not. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as God had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. She grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him upstairs to the room where he was staying, laid the body on the bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, why have you allowed this trouble on this widow who's opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer. Hallelujah. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God, and the Lord speaks through you. That woman got hit with two attacks in a couple of paragraphs, and it's the same two-pronged attack the devil brings against any, any mother, any person, any mother in this building has had to deal with that. The attack of sickness and disease and the attack of poverty and lack. I don't have enough food. I don't know how I'm going to make it. My son is sick and then he died. And the power of God rectified both problems like this. God's power hasn't changed. The attacks of the devil haven't changed. Though there is a devil who attacks with sickness and disease, who deafened that girl's son, Who made that boy die? It's not God. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I know in God's timing, I'm sure he'll... No, it's not God's timing. 
God's always ready. The day you turn your faith loose and say, today, I take my inheritance. Enough is enough. The devil's not going to jerk around with my family and children. I put out a call to God, and God will answer you by fire and turn everything around for your good. If you can testify to that as a child of God, let him hear your hand clap of testimony again. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So I told you one about bodily attack, the kid's ear. And then I'll tell you one about poverty, the first part of the story. Me and uh, my cousin Teddy, who's preached here before, we were preaching in Barbados. We did a week on the field, open air crusade, and then we did a week in the church to follow up on all the people that got saved. Well, to be nice, I was going to have Teddy preach one night because I thought it'd be kind of jerky. You know, he was there doing music. But I thought it'd be kind of jerky for me to preach two weeks, never have him preach once. So just to be nice, I had him preach. Well, he did so good on that Tuesday night. I thought, I can't do better than that. So I, said, I told him to go again. I just had him go the rest of the week. He was on fire. And the one night, Thursday night, it was such a good message. This was like six years ago. I still remember it. He preached on all the names of God in the Bible. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord your righteousness. The Lord your victory. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And when he got done preaching all of them, he said, there's no need that you have that isn't covered by one of those names. I can't stop drinking. Well, then you need Jehovah my righteousness. Not you to try to stop drinking. You need his righteous power to destroy the power of that alcohol. And he preached like that. So he said, on the count of three, I'm going to have the band play. And whatever name you need God to be for you, I want you to shout that name to him at the top of your lungs, not as some kind of like frivolous. I want you to call on him by that name. God, I know you're my prayer. Jehovah Jireh. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Jehovah Jireh. You need healing? Call him as Jehovah Rapha. And so he did the count of three in that big church, 1,500 people all shouted. Whatever name they needed God to be, it was powerful. Well, then that was Thursday. Friday was our last night. Friday night, this woman comes up with her daughter, single mother. And she says, "Uh, hey, I want to tell you something. I was four months behind on my rent. The only people that ever speak against prosperity are like upper middle class and rich people. Because if you've ever been around poor people, you understand why there is an element of God's supernatural power that supplies I don't think that stuff's important. Of course, I'm sure you have a closet full of food and clothes and money in the bank. But if you meet people that are like that woman, I'm going to eat my last meal and then we're finished. There's the same power that raised the boy from the dead, multiplied the food. Can you say amen? amen? God didn't do the healing and the devil did the multiplication. God did both things. Can you say amen? amen? She said, I shouted out. She said, I was four months behind in my rent and I didn't have any food and my Landlord had told me he was going to evict me in the morning. So she said, I yelled, Jehovah Jireh. And she said, the next morning, the landlord came to evict me. So I thought, well, at least I had fun in church. Guess it didn't work. And he walked in, got ready to yell at me. And she said, all of a sudden, he just got a weird look on his face and said, I'll be back. So she said, I figured uh, he was coming back with the sheriff. But he came back with his pickup truck with the back loaded full of groceries and then started carrying the groceries and putting them all on my shelves and she said the whole time he was doing it he was going 
I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm doing this. Bet you I know, but there was an angel with a gold tooth and a neck tattoo behind him going, food, there. I don't know why I'm doing this. And then when he got all done loading the cupboards full of food, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. He said, you don't have to pay those last four months rent. Just try to start this month. Not even pay this month. Try to start. Try to start doesn't hold up in court. Amen. <laughs> try to start paying this month. And he left. And she, with tears in her eyes, said to us at the altar, I mean, no pride. She said, I looked at my daughter. Her daughter was like six. She said, see what, Je see what Jesus did? She said, Mommy won't have to sell her body anymore. Said that like it was no big deal. Because God did a miracle for that lady. God doesn't care whether you have a master's degree or you never finish your GED. God cares if you have faith. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, I know my sermons kind of led you to believe that you have to be a prostitute to have faith, but I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not really preaching that as a doctrine. I'm just letting you know if you is one, you, you're included. But if you're a nice lady, PhD, and you've done well in life, what matters is that you have, because I'm not one of those preachers, like, you know, people that don't have anything have faith and people that have everything don't. No, it, it's just that it doesn't matter. Whether you've got a loaded bank account or a negative bank account, whether you have an education to brag about or an education that you don't want anybody to look at, God doesn't judge people like people judge people. But he does judge people. He judges by faith. Even you living holy or living in sin is a mark of faith. The Bible says knowing that Christ will return, we keep ourselves pure. It's an act of faith not to go run around sinning like everybody else. No, I actually believe the word and the evidence of it is I'm not going out getting drunk and sleeping with people I'm not married to because one day I know a trumpet's going to sound and I'm going to be ready when that trumpet sounds. Even that is of faith. That's why the Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. Every woman in the sound of my voice, whatever you're going through, even if you're not a mother, because I could have given you about nine more stories about women who couldn't have children in the Bible that began to believe God, never had a child, were past childbearing age even, and the Lord gave them as many children as they wanted. I mean, you read Hannah in 1 Samuel, she couldn't have any children. When you check up on her two chapters later, she's like an Irish Catholic. She's got like 11 kids. God will turn anything around. I said, God will turn anything around. They go from having one meal left to the Bible says, no matter how much they use, there was always plenty left over. What do you need God like the woman in Barbados? You know, anytime I preach, I realize now, and I didn't used to realize this when I was starting out. There's another old preacher who I love who used to say, there's a broken heart on every pew. Some of you got up, got dressed, came to church, smiled at everybody, but on the inside, you're going through something like that woman in 1 Kings 17. Nobody knew about it. Somehow she must have called to God. Even though nobody knew she was out of food. Even though she felt alone and just her and her son, there was a God that saw her and mobilized the strongest prophet in that nation, somebody we still talk about today, to go to her house to sort her house out. God doesn't just care about the whole world. God actually cares about you in particular. 
When people pray, oh, how could God, how could you expect God to do a miracle for you when there's all that trouble in the Middle East and we're on the brink of nuclear war? Because God actually doesn't care about any of that stuff. God cares about those who decide to turn to him. As long as you want to say, I have it all figured out, God will let you do whatever you want. But when you turn to him, the Bible says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Can you say amen? amen. I want you to stand on your feet. Other than that, please no moving around. Bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray. I'm going to do what, I, what Elijah did in Zarephath and what my cousin Teddy did in Barbados and what I did in Wheeling. I want every person... But today and this morning, we're specifically taking one day to focus on women. You know, I don't have a degree in sociology, but I have lived here for 40 years. So I know there's a lot of women. The man ran off long ago. You were left holding the bag. You have to take care of the money of the family. It ain't, it's not 1850. You're not home sewing and teaching, reading, writing, and math. While the husband provides, you have to do everything. Probably why that lady was so mean and wheeling. Work all week, come home, do the laundry. And, I mean, everything. Working, you know, they only count how many hours you work, the, the ones you're getting paid for. Then you come home and do how many hours worth of housework. And it's just like, I, I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. If this is what life is, this is bad. But there isn't, that isn't life. God has a life for you. Where no matter what's gone wrong before today, God said, I am a very present help in time of trouble. The devil has no new tricks. There was a single mother in 1 Kings 17 with a sick child. There's single mothers and married mothers that are here today that have a child, like my friend in Wheeling. They were born with something that there's no cure for. But with God, there is no such thing as an incurable disease. If it has a name... The name of Jesus can heal it. If you're here today, and maybe it's even something that you kind of put on the back burner. Like, well, that's just, that's my cross to bear. I guess that's my thing that everybody, God gives everybody something to just make sure they can't ever smile again. And that's my thing. No, somebody, some devil preached the Bible to you. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Can you say amen? Amen. If you're here today, especially the women, sick child, difficulty at home in the area of sickness and disease, I want to pray with you. And I don't mean, I'm not going to pray the prayer the guy preached for and wheeling prayed. Lord, help them as they go through, as they get their head kicked in this week. Just help them to endure it. Let them have a steady supply of bandages. as they're beaten up by the devil. I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. Elijah didn't pray when he heard the son died. He didn't give the, white, the, the mom flowers. He said, give me the boy's body and put it up on his bed, prayed. Kid didn't live, prayed again, laid on his body. Kid gets up. Can you say amen? amen. I'm going to pray like that for God to intervene. Prayers move mountains, not help you to deal with mountains. They move mountains. Can you say amen? Amen. It's easier to deal with your deaf child when the deafness is gone. Jesus moves mountains. Then there's others where it's poverty. You're in a major financial problem. The same power that raised the boy from the dead and drove the sickness out. 
destroyed the poverty and multiplied the resources where they went from one final meal to no matter how much they used, 1 Kings 17, 16. There was always plenty left over. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. I want everybody in the sound of my voice and a special focus on mothers and women because today's a day for God to help you. It's nice to get cards and flowers, but God has a miracle for you. A miracle where this, from this Mother's Day to next Mother's Day can be the greatest 12 months you've ever had. Amen. I was going to talk about humbling yourself, but I haven't met too many cocky women. So I'll skip that. If you're a lady that's here and you humble yourself and say, as much as I'd love to just stay in my gray seat and pretend like I have it all figured out and everything's fine, I have a situation in my home that I need a, a miracle. Without a miracle, it'll never resolve. But I believe after hearing the word today that not only is God a miracle working God, God loves me, and because he loves me, when I call on him, he'll answer me. And I won't help now. I know many people have lunch reservations and stuff like that, so I won't hold you long. But I want everybody as an act of faith, particularly the women that believe like that today, that I want from this Mother's Day to next Mother's Day, I want to see the hand of God continually move in my family. My son that's broken my heart because he doesn't serve the Lord, I want to come back with him next year and he's training for the ministry. I want God to do a mind-blowing miracle in my family. I want every woman that, that wants that, you desire that, and you believe God's word and that he'll make it happen. I want you to come out of your seat and come along the front. We're going to pray right now. We won't do anything weird, but we're going to pray. Come right across the front in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, God will touch you even as you come. God loves you. God loves you more than you can put into words. He's going to help you today. There's nothing the devil has done to you or your family that God can't do something about it right now. He makes the childless woman a mother. He makes the pot that's empty overflow. He canceled the debt of the woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. One miracle, the debt was canceled and her and her sons lived on what was left over. God has a miracle for you. God has a miracle with your name on it. He's a loving God. Tell him I'll be done soon. So great to see you all here. God's going to honor your faith. I'm not going to go down the line and ask everybody what they need prayer for. It's none of my business, none of anybody else's business. But I want you to lift both hands to the Lord. And I want you... Prayer is not waiting to see if something happens while someone else prays. The Bible says wherever two agree as touching any one thing they ask, that God gives them what they ask for. So I have my part to play, but you have your part. Look, I don't know if you can make a doctrine that women have stronger faith than men, but you, will, you don't read about any men with an issue of blood that dove through the crowd that touched Jesus' garment. And all those women miracles I read, it was a woman... That, that, that her faith drew the power of God into the family. So when you think about it, your faith 
Whatever, you, whatever rotten situation somebody puts you in, your faith can bypass it. Where God will actually be your helper where people were supposed to be your helper. So I'm going to pray, but I want you to do what the old timers call, turning your faith loose. Open up your heart and you pray with me about your specific thing. Father, I know. I, obviously, I'm not talking to an altar full of rebels. If you didn't believe any of this, you wouldn't have come to the altar. You'd have left 15 minutes ago. So I know you believe. So now take that belief and turn it loose. Ask the Lord for what you want him to do specifically. God, I need help. What kind of help? Grab my boy that didn't come to church today. Get a hold of him. Put people in his path, oh Lord, that will draw him to you. With your hands lifted, if you're here today, if you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, join your faith with me and these precious women of God. And let's believe that from today, everything the enemy tried to saddle you and your family with, the Lord is going to destroy that plan of the devil. God kicks the plan of the devil. It kicks his legs out from under it right now and begins to turn everything around for your good. Oh, you sound good. Begin to call on the Lord. Every sick child that's represented by a mother that's here. I curse that sickness. I loose the healing power of God to flow into that home. Your home will not be a home of sickness. Your home will be a home where the healing power of God flows through that home. In Jesus' name. You're about one sickness after another. Somebody always needing taken to the hospital. That ends this Mother's Day in Jesus' name. And I curse poverty and lack. All the systems of this country that are designed to keep people poor, tax them into poverty, where no matter how much they work, they can't get ahead. I thank you, Father, for the open window of heaven pouring out a blessing that's so great they'll never have enough room to take it all in. I pray even right now, Father, that you would do like you did in Barbados. That people don't even know how they're going to get to the end of the month of May. I pray there would be people that have their debt canceled today. On a non-business day. Their debt canceled today because you canceled it. In Jesus' name. Do what you did for my mother and father. When they had 50 grand worth of medical bills and no way to pay it. And the debt was canceled. Let every debt represented at this altar be canceled. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for setting these women free. Thank you that every bondage of the enemy that went to just make their life hard and hard and hard and all work and no payoff. In Jesus' name, I see that turning around now. I see every rotten situation that the enemy meant to define your life. I see it turning around for your good. I see it turning to a testimony right now in Jesus' name. Every family member that's connected to you from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. I don't care if they were born with a genetic abnormality. I don't care what the sickness is. I don't care how severe it is. I command them to be healed now. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray one last thing. Every woman in front of me, I loose the gift of faith into your spirit. That you'll begin to speak words in your home that make it impossible for the devil to function. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
every woman that's been carrying a load that's too heavy for you, the Lord lifts that load in Jesus' name. The Lord becomes your burden bearer. You'll, you won't leave here lighter, but you'll leave here feeling lighter in Jesus' name. Put your hands down and look up at me. I just want to tell you a quick story that the Lord quickened to my remembrance. I went to this barber shop, obviously a long time ago. But it wasn't, it was earlier this year. And I was actually getting ready for a meeting, which is why I was going to get my hair cut. So I was already meditating on the word. Well, this lady that was in there to get a haircut for a kid, she had three sons. And the one, she just, she was telling the whole barbershop, he's autistic, he's never spoken. And uh, they said he'll never speak. And so the guy's cutting his hair. And because of what I was studying and stuff, I just thought, I thought, you know, if Jesus was, speak, was sitting here, I bet you that kid would start talking. Yeah. And I'm not Jesus, but he does uh, have an apartment somewhere in here. <laughs> so I just, you know, you sound nuts saying this, which is why I saved it for the end. But I just thought quietly to myself, I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do what I can to release the anointing. And I'm going to believe that kid's going to start talking before I leave the barbershop. So I just sat there and just went like, whew, like when Jesus blew on the disciples. Because I'm not going to get up in a barbershop, make a scene and all. And I, and I just... Put my faith like that. I was looking at that kid and believing for him to talk. And all of a sudden, the kid, the, the barber asked the mother a question about his hair, and the kid answered. <laughs> now, I say that because I, it made me happy. But then the mom went, oh, well, sometimes he'll say a few words, but then he'll go, but then he won't talk again for, for several weeks. And then the kid talked again. And every time the kid started talking, the mom said something about, about the problem again. So I bring that up because the last thing I prayed about was the, I guarantee you if that kid came to live with me, he'd be, he'd be talking. Because when he started saying, I want to say, oh, he's something, you know, he'll say a few words sometimes, but he'll never talk. No. I said, there you go. And I'd keep speaking to him. And I'd keep believing. So I want you, when you start to go home and see a positive change, don't let, because sometimes that's a coping mechanism. It's why when you go to the hospital a lot of times, the nurses are very mean. Because they've seen a lot of people die. So obviously you're not going to let your heart get ripped in half five times every workday. So you're, well, he probably won't make it. You know, it's going to get. And a lot of times when you go through a hard time, you get this like harsh because it helps you deal with it. I want you to let the Lord, like he softened your heart here at the altar, to start speaking. Telling your kid. No, I know the doctor said you'll never be able to have children because you had a fever when you were five. And now, You're going to get married and you're going to have a big, beautiful family. And start letting Faith words come out of your mouth. You, you know, hallelujah. I feel that. You know what I started telling my daughter around the house? I'll say, like, you see this really nice house we live in? She'll go, yeah. I'll say, when you're older, the Lord's going to give you a house that's way bigger than this one. Way nicer than this one. You'll have way more money than your mom and I have. You know, I just figure I'll do the opposite of what other kids hear. Eh, enjoy your video game. One day you'll be paying the heat on this. I'm not talking like that. I'm going to start to prepare them with my words that your road is going to get brighter. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and, faith and strength to strength. And so I want you to do that to participate because the Lord does not not answer my prayer. The Lord's working on your behalf right now. So whether you see the full manifestation of it or just the beginning, don't cut its head off with your words. And it's been here for about three days and then it went, no. Thank you, Father, for the beginning of it. And I thank you that your word says in Philippians 1, 6, 
being confident of this one thing, that he that began a good work shall bring it to completion in Jesus' name. Lift your hands one final time. Be blessed. Be blessed by the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth. Everything that would constitute a curse in your life, it is now turned to a blessing in the name of Jesus as a Mother's Day gift from heaven. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. With your hands lifted, just begin to thank him out of your mouth. Thanking is what causes it to multiply. When you complain, things diminish. When you thank God, it multiplies. Begin to think about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for going to work on my behalf right now. Thank you for a miracle for my child. Thank you for miracles in my home. Thank you that my home shall be a place of miracles. Well, I told you I'm preaching a new sermon, so I'm saying a bunch of stuff I've never said before. But put, put your hands down and look up at me. Say this out loud. My home, my home will not be a place of trouble. My home from today is a place of miracles. Now you think of it. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah came there to bring that woman a miracle. But when it was over, that woman's house was a house of miracles. The pot never stopped overflowing with food. The boy, the death fled from the boy's room in that home. Lift your hands one final time. Every woman in front of me that your house is a place of arguing, turmoil, something always going wrong. Not only does God do a miracle for you today, from today your home will be a home of miracles. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. The same way the devil couldn't stop you from coming out of your seat and coming to the altar, he won't stop anything else either. He's a defeated foe and he's under your feet. And finally, I'll do the thing that women never ask for. Prayer for themselves. It could be a woman with her leg hanging off and she asks for prayer for her son. But every woman in the sound of my voice in front of me at this altar, that you've been attacked in your own body, the Lord heals you now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Everything that causes pain or discomfort in the lower body, it is removed supernaturally. Anything they call cancer shrivels up and dies now. Any unnatural lump or growth is destroyed now. In Jesus' name. You are not going back to life as you knew it. You're going back to a home that's full of the joy of the Lord. And the Lord shall give you many reasons to rejoice. Like Sarah, God made her to laugh. And the Lord will make you to laugh all of this year. Laugh in the face of the devil. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord all over this place. Come on, give Jesus a big, big hand clap. Did Jesus curse a fig tree? So it's not wrong to curse all the time, is it? God cursed in the Old Testament, Jesus cursed in the Gospels, and the Holy Ghost cursed after the resurrection. Agrippa, Ananias, and Sapphira, and Bar-Jesus the sorcerer. So what do you do when something's troubling you? Don't stay silent. Don't, don't deal with it in your mind. Speak. If you can curse a fig tree, you can curse a sickness. You can curse student loans. 
Anytime, anytime the devil brings something up to your mind that bothers you, just say, like, like student loans. I curse those student loans in Jesus' name. And you'll see how you even feel better in the hypothetical analogy? Think how good it'll feel to do it. When the devil's trying to bother you with something, curse it. Your son's been into drugs. I curse that drug addiction in Jesus' name. Use your mouth as a weapon to maintain God's authority in your home. Well, I'm done because you're all smiling now. So that, that's, all, that's what it is. When faith comes, faith brings joy. Unbelief brings sadness and sorrow. So that smile will never leave your face this year. The Lord will give you many reasons to laugh in Jesus' name. Now tonight, before you leave the altar, tonight I'm going to preach. I'm going to give an invitation for people to receive Jesus. This was a special service for mothers. I normally always give an invitation to receive Christ, but there's already the altar is full. So if you're on your way to hell, you need to pray that the Lord does not come back till tonight. I'm serious. You should pray. Then tonight I'll help you out. Tonight was for the, or today was for the ladies. I didn't know churches had ladies day, but today was ladies day. Men had a $5 cover. Amen. Shame on you for getting that reference. Say it out loud. I am blessed. I am blessed. Say my home is blessed. My home is blessed. Say my children are blessed. My children are blessed. God bless one of you in Jesus' name. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.